Are you ready for this? Go! Listen to today's best mix. Playing on RX Radio. Groove Cafe. It is the Groove Cafe on RX Radio, and I am Crystal. You know me, always looking forward to meeting new people and hearing about their stories and what they are passionate about. Now, my guest is uh, the founder and director of Rainbow Hearts Foundation, an organization that was established to help people that are suffering from infertility, or as some people say, with fertility issues. Now, she's also a procurement manager at Bakresa Grain Milling Uganda Limited, and she's passionate about family, hope, endurance, and so much more. I have Fiona Nanozi Ngoga joining me on the Groove Cafe. Thank you. Hi, Fiona. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Big smiles here. Excited to be here. It's I nice mean, these to are have that you. Make me happy, really, talking about it. You're mm-hmm. going to see me smiling throughout the whole. The whole. Know, <laughs> people wonder, when mm-hmm. I talk about it, I am not sad or, mm-hmm. or my bitter. face does not change mm-hmm. but it's because I've also spoken about it several times mm-hmm. and I keep telling people the more you talk about your journey is the more healing you get absolutely so for me it's a passion and I'm happy to tell my story and also just encourage someone yes the more yeah. you even talk about it the more you connect with others and True. let people know okay yeah. they're not the only ones dealing Going with this yes, yes yes so Fiona first let's start with you and your life growing up yeah. I always want to know where you grew up what that was like for you yeah I will I am a firstborn mm-hmm. of four and yeah we've grown up in a small family really mm. um yeah parents do their best to take you to that best schools that they can and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i went to i was in amagunga mm-hmm. and for my university i was in kozi uganda okay. matters university in kozi mm-hmm. then after that got into work mm-hmm. and before i actually went into work what i really wanted to do was i wanted to be an economist and for me that is something yes okay so you uh, see, uh, is there any influence from the parents nothing so what do your parents do one of them is a nurse. Mm-hmm. Then my dad is a businessman mm-hmm. who had like an incline to accounting and stuff. Okay. So really there's nothing. No one to, else in the circle? No. Where did you grow up? In Kasubi. Okay. Grew up, yeah. Grew uh, up in Kasubi most of my life. Is that home home for yes, you? Yes, home home. That's home. Even yes. the village? My village is in Rubaga. That's mm-hmm. also a weird thing. Hey! <laughs> you are the people! <laughs> yes. So my village is in Rubaga. Our burial grounds are in Amgogo. Wow. Actually, used to be. So for me, they are not oh, oh, yes. grounds anymore. Exactly. Yeah, but basically, Namugongo is where my family and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So you wanted to be an economist. I wanted to be an economist. I was just, I don't think I have a particular reason why. Mm. I think this passion started really when I was in secondary school. Mm-hmm. I used to really excel at economics and mathematics okay okay and then i also do want to go into like proper sciences because mm. i used to fail the other science, <laughs> the other science, the other science classes so uh-huh. for me it's, yeah so and it was like the perfect fit for you it was huh? the perfect fit for me then i also i just enjoyed learning about i mean money markets and stuff like that i was like hmm so you mean i can do these things i can influence how the shilling moves against the dollar and things like things that, that like, some of us <laughs> never think about wow <laughs> So really, that's what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. So even on campus, I actually did business economics. 
Oh, that was okay. the course that I did. At Inkozi? Yes. Oh, wow. Because I thought really that was the path I was going to take. And then my one place that I really wanted to work was Bank of Uganda. I didn't want any other bank. This other, no. <laughs> I knew where <laughs> I wanted to What had you heard go. about Bank of Uganda? Why Bank of it's Uganda? It's a central bank. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, we have to... I don't even know if they're paid well. Mm. I just knew I wanted to work in the central bank. Okay. <laughs> To influence, <laughs> to influence. The, the shilling against the dollar. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> this is so interesting how we fixate on these things early in you life, know. right? And they're just like small, small things that attract you to something mm-hmm. or a course, and you're like, this is exactly. And then you where build the dream from there, yeah, right? Build a dream from there. So okay, I really wanted to do this. So you, my course and uh-huh. I'm about to ask now. Bank of Uganda was like the focus, the focus, and then we left school, and then, then life happened. Life happened. Life happened. Okay. So, when you leave school, eh, first of all, they don't tell us, okay, maybe we hear about it. I mean, there are no jobs and all these things. Mm-hmm. So, you start throwing your applications like everywhere. I applied, I think, to all the banks. Yes, I didn't want to work in all these other banks. I in Bank of Uganda, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I had to start somewhere. Yes, so, absolutely. I applied to all these other banks and was never called. Mm. Then, um, but it was actually like a few, maybe like a month out of campus before even graduated. A friend of mine saw a job advert in the newspapers. Okay. Uh, some Chinese company was hiring. It was mm. in construction, um, electrical and telecom engineering. They were looking for marketing, um, marketing people basically. Okay. I, I applied. I mean, I had it been called at the bank mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I ended up at a Chinese company. Doing marketing. Um, I did marketing for, I think, like a month. Mm. Then they transferred me to procurement. Mm. Why? Because at that time, I think I had now started being open to doing other things, doing mm. other courses. Then mm-hmm. you hear about friends who are doing procurement and there are these, all these other courses that they're doing. So I was like, you know what? Let me just do a professional course in procurement. Mm-hmm. So yeah, did my professional course in SIPs. Mm-hmm. And I just went into the procurement world. So how long have you been in the procurement world now? Wow. For about 10, 11 years. That's a decade. Yeah. Wow. Big so, chunk. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I really So none of the banks then. called? None of the banks called. <laughs> <laughs> that's how my dream died. I like but the way you said life happened. <laughs> Honestly, that's just life. Life happened, yeah. Mm-hmm. So went into procurement and really that's where my career started building. Mm-hmm. Left the Chinese company and I was, went into a... Pro, the Chinese company was really like a start. Okay. My starting point. Yes, yes, yes. So I then joined Fresh Cut. No, no, no. Actually, from the Chinese company, I first went to Bakresa. Okay. Then left Bakresa, I mean, a year later, went to Fresh Cuts Uganda. Procurement, like, I mean, yeah, I think like senior procurement something. Mm-hmm. Was there for one year. Then you then Bakresa called me back <laughs> to head their department. Ooh, so, nice. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've been at Bakresa for about eight years. Mm-hmm. Mm. What does that involve? Um, procurement. Yeah. Really, I'm a buyer. Think about someone who is just now learning. <laughs> hmm? They're also this? trying to figure out their path <laughs> and they're like, procurement? I want to know more. It's really about buying. Basically, mm-hmm. a procurement. I call myself a buyer because that's what I am. Because you have to procure everything. I have to procure everything. Everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, people think about it like some people are like, oh, these are the guys who spend the company money and stuff like that. <laughs> no. 
you're, you're actually trying to save the money because you're you're given the budget exactly. to work with, right? You're, you're trying to save the money by getting the best quality mm-hmm. at the best possible price. So mm. you're getting them a good deal. Okay. So you're saving the company money in some way. Okay. Yeah. So really, that's what procurement is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about the foundation. I mean, it is Uganda's first registered NGO to help yes. and improve the quality of life for people who are dealing with infertility. Yes. I had a guest recently who has also had her journey with infertility, but she said she doesn't like to use the word infertility. They like to talk about it as fertility, fertility. challenge. Yes. 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 It's actually, I think in the medical terms, let me say like the treatment mm. is fertility treatment. Yes. Fertility treatment. Yes. So it's really like a fertility journey that you're on. Mm. It's not infertility. Yes. Yes. But yeah. Okay. That's, that's what it is. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. tell me about your journey. Um, when did you start to realize it? Something was wrong. Well, mine started really way back. So when people ask me, oh, how long did you try when you got married and stuff like that? Mine mine started when I was a young girl. Mm-hmm. So what I suffer from is a hormonal problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it really started way back. I didn't know it was a problem. Okay. Because I didn't, I didn't ever talk to someone and no one. Had, I mean, when you miss your periods as a young girl. You're rejoicing. So your periods were, you know. Very unstable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very unstable. They also said a bit late, maybe when I was like in S2, S3. Mm-hmm. And most of my counterparts, I think, had already started. started yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't share that with anyone. Yes, my mom knew that my periods were late. But the thing is, fertility is not something that has been talked about even from our yeah. mm-hmm. the generations before us. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that it wasn't a problem to her. Or even if she thought about it, she was not able to talk about it with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I remember other people had regular periods. Like, it was yes. literally like 30 days on the dot. I think some, some people say they're 28. And I'm like, how, how is that? I was one of, those, oh. no, I'm one of those people like <laughs> six weeks, two months, wow. maybe one so, month. It's only after I had children that yeah, they became regularized. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that happens for some people. Mm-hmm. So mine were very unstable. And then when I just started working, because now I have some money mm-hmm. and I can go to the hospital without asking my parents, mm-hmm. I then went to see a doctor, general doctor, really. Okay. And it was to just general check. Mm-hmm. I have some money. I can go and see so a doctor. So you just decided to go and see a gynecologist? And I actually, I think, I think I saw a general doctor. Oh. And then told them, as just, okay. This is what I'm experiencing. Maybe I, maybe you can tell me about it. Mm. My periods are very unstable and stuff like that. So then that's when they sent me to see a guy. So when I explained to the guy at the time, he told me what I experienced was a hormonal problem. He didn't tag it to any name or any condition. Mm. And he told me it would be resolved. Okay. If I wanted to get pregnant, it can be resolved. Mm. Or if I wanted to have my regular periods, it can also be resolved. Okay. Like, but I, how irregular were you? What are we talking Um, about? I miss three, four months. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sometimes wow. two. Sometimes they'll actually come. Let mm. me say month after month. Two or three times. Then they... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was like my norm. Yeah. So, when so someone you didn't think too much me, about it. I don't it. have like a cycle. You know when people know that, ha, huh, next week, eh? Mm-hmm. Next week, eh? <laughs> next week, I, I can't be able to... Meet you because I'm going to be at home. Mm-hmm. You get it? Eh? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't have that because I didn't know okay. when it was going to rain. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. 
Yeah, so really that's what I experienced. And I told him. But I think he realized that I was young at the time. Mm. So he didn't want to go in detail. So he just said it was a hormonal issue. It was a hormonal issue. And he just said, we can deal with it. Like, whichever way you like. Mm-hmm. So when he said that, I was also a bit comforted. Because I was like, okay. I remember he gave me tablets to stabilize my period at the time. Mm. He gave me uh, pills, birth control pills. So I thought about taking the birth control pills. And I was like, ha. If my mother finds these things in my bag, <laughs> how will you explain How will yourself? I explain that the guy gave them to me for medical reasons? And hmm. I was like, you know what? Eh? I got them. I think I swallowed like the first two days, then I threw them away. Also because I was like, why am I really suffering? To mm-hmm. get, no, I don't want a period. It's okay. Because mm-hmm. the guy said, if I want to get pregnant, I can. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you're even thinking I'm lucky. You exactly. know, sometimes I am free. No, but the thing is, also then, I had not... Like the word infertility was, yeah, you know, it like never something even so distant, your mind. Yeah? so like something you never heard about. Let mm-hmm. me say, you don't even know what. Like, so for me, that's what it was. Anyway, so life moved on, mm-hmm. continued with my cycles like that until, um, so when I met my husband, um, we then now you know that okay, now I'm ready to start a family and stuff like that. Okay. So we first experienced a miscarriage, but he knew about my irregular periods. Mm-hmm. So after the first miscarriage that we had, a friend of mine told me, there's this doctor who we can go and see. He's a guy in his help women for get pregnant. Now at this time, okay, you're, you're advancing in age and some mm. workmates are getting yeah. concerned. So they start giving you advice. advice. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's this guy. He has helped several friends of mine. Maybe you should see him. But even then, it was really mm. casual. Like, it wasn't, it was nothing serious. It yeah. wasn't that serious then. Mm-hmm. So, I, I went and saw the doctor at the time. Some elderly gentleman, I actually think he passed away. Anyway, so, I saw that guy and he also told me I had a hormonal problem. Okay. So, I had to do tests afresh because it had been a while ever since I'd done the other ones. Mm-hmm. And he also didn't, did he give me a, no, he also didn't actually tell me what the, condition was really he just told me you have a hormonal problem and um if you're ready to get pregnant this is how we can deal with it because i think he was also giving me the um, the, the the pills but i told him it's not a period that i want why do you think these doctors were not being straight with you they think it's because um, you were young or they i think i looked young at the time mm. but then also the thing is I don't feel like our doctors are actually open with situations. Okay. Especially mm-hmm. if you're seeing a general doctor. So later when I talk about the foundation, I'll talk about how we are telling people that a general doctor cannot treat a fertility problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. They will not identify exactly what you're going through or even try to take you through the terms that you need to understand. I can understand that, but wouldn't that general doctor refer you to somebody else? I don't Isn't think... Isn't that they, how it's supposed to work? Yes, I'm calling exactly. you out, my dear doctors. That's how it should be, but they <laughs> mm-hmm. don't because it's a business to them. Okay. I so, guess. I mean, if I can get some money from this person as I treat or what I think I know, mm. then that's it. Good point. But I also think because... So, if it's a hormonal problem, they've I'm sure they've also experienced other people with hormonal problems who are able to conceive mm. without any help. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, this degree... So, anyway, later when I talk about it, I'll explain that... It's different. It's it, it, for everyone. Yeah, the symptoms are different for everyone. Anyway, okay. so 
he now he told me okay if you want to get pregnant let me give you so there's clomid um, most of us have heard about a tablet called clomid okay um and it was you know it was so smooth so easy like the whole thing i don't think i even spent 100,000 shillings at that place that's with like the consultation okay maybe minus the, the mm-hmm. hormonal um tests okay it was just a consultation go do the tests then okay i'm going to give you clomid and at this time of the month you take it basically you take it then you you have intercourse with your husband and mm-hmm. you'll get pregnant okay which okay. actually happened mm. i took it i did as was instructed and the pregnancy happened now when the pregnancy happened then my drama started oh um so you see you're supposed to go i think like six weeks to check if there's a heartbeat and stuff like mm-hmm. that six weeks i go there's no heartbeat and but they can see that there's a sac that mm-hmm. is growing in the stomach yes and i think this is when it started dawning on me that okay there could actually be a problem bigger than you think mm. so i remember i didn't go back to that guy i went to another hospital okay So just I walk in mm-hmm. and I told them I did a pregnancy test it was positive I want to do a scan. So I do a scan and the guy is looking and he's like um I think you're going to have your period soon. So I'm like what do you mean? He's like cuz the pregnancy is there but it's not viable because there's no heartbeat basically. It's oh, just a sac. Wow. But then also from that timing I think the sac was becoming bigger. Mm-hmm. They could tell they there's a way they calculate the weeks and stuff eh. Mm. Um I think at that time it was like eight weeks or something. He's like, okay, it will expel itself. The body will no. Had you been getting like the pregnancy symptoms? Feeling mm, anything no. or not really? Okay. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he told me it will expel, but now at this time I think it had I had started getting desperate about it because now I really wanted the pregnancy. Mm. And you're now wondering, okay, what next if this one has not worked? And then they said I have a hormonal problem. Maybe it's connected to why this is not working out mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yes. So you see, I'm now trying to connect the dots by myself. Eh? The doctor has not really explained to me that. So the condition I got was a blighted ovum. That's okay. where the fertilization happens mm-hmm. and the embryo implants in the uterus, but then it stops growing for some reason. Okay. Mm. They are really chemical things. I think the body notices, you know, what, this won't be a viable embryo, so mm. it just stops or it dissolves sometimes. If okay. it has started if it had if they had seen a heartbeat before, sometimes people come back and it has dissolved. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So usually the body expels. You have a miss and very early miscarriage. Mm. And mine didn't. Okay. But also I didn't want it to. Mm. Because <laughs> I was still hopeful yeah. that you know what? Eh? Maybe At some point I'll go and they tell me that we can detect a heartbeat or something. Mm-hmm. Um then at 12 weeks. So I waited till 12 weeks. Wow. Then I went back to my doctor. This is the other guy. The other guy. <laughs> Who had given you the the Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was surprised. He was like, "You mean you have not got your period yet?" Because from that first time when he saw me and he said it was a blighted ovum, so I'm sure he expected that a few days later I would Okay. get my period yeah yes it's like ah no we have to have immediate surgery to, to take this thing out because yeah. if if it bursts in your stomach it could be fatal you could get internal bleeding and stuff like that wow so the day after was so, scheduled for surgery and mm-hmm. it's called a dng it's really so there are lessons that i have learned along 
my journey mm. that really they are informative of some of the things that I also did not know or some of the things that will help me with a foundation. So a DNG is in the layman language is a, what is it called? Is an abortion. Assisted and, abortion. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it's just that it's done under medical supervision and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So basically that's what they do. Yeah. And what they do with a DNG, because it's a blind operation, they just like scrape the walls of the uterus to take out whatever it because they don't know where it has implanted mm-hmm. so they just scrape because they can't see and stuff oh my that's it but I was out so at least the pain mm-hmm. I just woke up and they told me okay we finished <laughs> <laughs> so really that was it uh-huh. then we gave it a year so my husband God bless him he, ha- he has been patient with me mm. and he has been patient with the whole journey no stress no um external pressure and stuff like that has really gotten to him maybe in some way but he has not shown that to me so at this point i'm now desperate i'm like okay i need to get pregnant like in the next yes. few months you get now it? you're putting the pressure on yourself I'm putting the pressure on myself and my husband tells me no let's give it a year okay and then we can try then again we can try again let's mm. give it a year first heal let your body heal let i mean first Calm down, mm-hmm. then let us start the process and still again. time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I think during this time, he had about um, a certain fertility clinic. He came and told me one day, you know what, my friend told me about this clinic, so maybe let's go and try it out. So, mm-hmm. we went and... Now, when I when he told me about it, I had heard about it. I'd also heard about how much it costs Ooh, to go to that hospital. Because that's also the reality it's, of fertility. Yes. So I told him, you know what, the Mm -hmm. other guy was cheaper. Maybe it was not God's um, plan for the pregnancy to happen. So maybe we should first try him again and see. Mm. But then he was really not going for that. He wasn't buying it. Said, no, let's just go to the fertility center and establish exactly what the problem is. Mm. Okay. So go to the fertility center and now they started putting names to the condition. <laughs> so before you're just there, I'm like, I have a hormonal problem. And mm-hmm. you just, I mean, it's so casual and you're just moving around with it. Eh? Then they now started, they told me I had PCOS. It's a condition called PCOS. Mm. And it is, um, it's it's one of the causes of infertility. Okay. All right. So at least they explain to you what the actual issue yes. is. Mm-hmm. But you see also explaining these things to me was like it was actually weighing so heavy on me because now I was like, I have what? Because I didn't even know what it was. Eh? Mm. But I'm like, okay, now I have a disease that has a name. Mm. But also it is connected to infertility. Okay. Something that I had never, ever, ever even thought about. Thought about. Yes. Um, so that's when really the journey started for me. Mm. Okay, yeah, part of now this other journey <laughs> in the fertility world. So how so long ago when, was this? This was in 2016. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they established exactly what it was. What it was. Explained it to you. And then did they set Actu- out a treatment? No, actually, it was 2017. 2017. Yes. Okay. It was. So I think the other prior to that was 2016. So we then said again in 2017. Mm-hmm. So uh, when they did this, after telling me, so this is the condition you have, it's called PCOS. Mm-hmm. But then they go ahead to check the whole reproductive system. Mm. So they're not like other doctors. Uh-huh. For lack of a better word. Yes. They're not like 
general doctors who are going to say, okay, you have a hormonal problem and that's it. Let's treat the hormonal problem. Mm. What the fertility center does is it will check all the whole system to make yeah. sure that, okay, if it's because that we're dealing with, there's nothing else. Uh-huh. So when they Can checked, I ask if your mm-hmm. husband was also checked? Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Okay. I mean, is yes, that, isn't that something have, that you deal with though, especially now with uh, the NGO? Yes, a lot of yes. husbands don't, don't want, to, want to come. Mm-hmm. No, they don't want to. You're going to they don't want to okay. come. It's okay. You let me know what the results are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> uh-huh. they don't want to be seen anywhere close to a fertility center. So, mm-hmm. no, but I mean, he was there, he was checked, and then. Um, getting the diagnosis of the PICOS, mm-hmm. they had to check everything else. They checked yes. the tubes, they checked the uterus, they check also because I'd given them a history of what I went through. Mm. So they asked me to do the fallopian tube test and it actually turned out that my fallopian tubes were now partially blocked. Oh. So when they explained to me what could have caused the blockage, they said that, that um, the DNG that I had, basically the the procedure, abortion, mm-hmm, yes, the mm-hmm. procedure that I had caused uh, scarring to the tubes, to the like entrance of the tubes. No, mm. yes, and so, scarring on the inside of the uterus is actually is also a problem. Exactly That's why a, problem. a lot of people are afraid of going in to remove fibroids. Yes, because because it could cause scars, which is going to deter pregnancy. Yes. So for me, because the tubes are now partially blocked, I mean, really, what the tubes do is they help that sperm meet the egg mm-hmm. and also transfer the embryo back to the uterus. Yes. So if they are blocked then that process is, that process cannot happen. Okay. The sperm cannot meet or sometimes that's why if people have like partially blocked tubes, yes, the, the sperm could go through and meet the egg when but the embryo make is its formed. Way back. Mm-hmm. That's why people have ectopic pregnancies. Uh-huh. The embryo gets trapped. Which is also very dangerous. Yes, the embryo could get trapped in the tubes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So Really, that's how now I was thrown into the depth of infertility. Wow. Now I was swimming in the deep end. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's one way to put it. Yes, I was in the deep end of this year. At that point, was there anyone, like any support group that you heard about? Anybody else that you could talk to? Nothing. Mm. It was so hard that I could not even talk to my mom. So my mom knew, like this time when I would go to the hospital, I would tell her about it. I got to a point where I didn't want to pick up her calls. And she was really calling out of, it was a concern. I mean, this is my daughter. I want to know that she's fine. She's now married. And first of all, in those olden days, eh, even now, by the way, when someone is not able to give birth, mm. the family quickly gets them a replacement. I mean, let's get you someone to... I'm sorry, did you say even, even today? Now, Goodness. experienced <laughs> ladies who come and they say, the guy's family is chasing me out of the home because they say I'm useless and stuff like that. I'm just eating the man's money. It's very bad out there. It's so terrible. So anyway, now, of course, my mom was, I think, just concerned. Eh, and, and also her friends... Yeah. Now, of course, I. So now you're time, feeling that pressure, yes. but you also don't want to deal with it. You don't want to have to explain what you're going exactly. through. So her friends, there's a time I asked her, "Mommy, like, is there anyone asking you about about why I'm not having kids and stuff?" Then she said, "Yeah, there are some friends who ask her now that girl finished school, she's married, she has a job. What is she waiting for?" <laughs> and I told her, "The next time they ask you, tell them it's none of their business." Yes, thank you. I mean, <laughs> I could be going for other things. Yeah. But anyway, coming back to... <laughs> so now they establish, unfortunately, that procedure scarred 
your yes. fallopian tubes as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the best chance for me to conceive was going to be through assisted reproductive uh, technology. So like IVF? Yeah. Oh. It was the best shot for me. Um, now, they gave me other options because you see, the thing is they also give, they present all the options to mm-hmm. you and they tell you we could try this but the success rates are as such. Because uh-huh. I also did laparoscopy which is surgery to help like correct the tubes. Mm. There are some people who do that. Okay, okay. If your mm-hmm. tubes are like blocked, they can say, let's try and unblock them mm. through that surgery. But okay. then it's not a guarantee that it's actually going to work. Okay. But you see, you've already spent money on this surgery, which is not cheap. It's like 5 million shillings. Mm. With all these other drugs and consultations and stuff. And tests. Then, exactly. And, mm. Then also just the mental stress that you're going through during this time. You know, my husband told me, no, he had already, I think he had started experiencing the wrath of me eh, during mm. this time. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not having this chick go through surgery, then we have to go through the same thing if it doesn't work. Okay. Mm. Told me, you know what? Let's do IVF. If that's what they say is the best option for us, mm. let us do that. Let us try it. Okay. So we go, we pay for the IVF. Mm. Then they now transfer you to the IVF center. And when we were transferred to the IVF center, so I remember the first time we were there, we were waiting to meet, I think, the IVF um, doctor or And then we see statistics on the wall. Eh? They were basically talking about like their success rates and mm. how like this number of people did, this number failed, this number was successful. And I called my husband. I was like, first come and see this. Yeah, This thing is because not 100%. People, even the second attempt might not work. No, it's the thing is, I did not know. Oh. So you assume so you that... So it was like I'm a guarantee... Paying, if I am paying 25 million shillings, mm. I am, I mean, I should get results out it of it. It is a lot of money. <laughs> like, I know. I <laughs> uh-huh. So for me, going into it, I was so sure that, actually, I think, I'm sure my husband also thought the same thing. Mm. We were sure it was guaranteed to work. Okay. Because we had not really been exposed to also this other world where it fails, which is the majority. Mm. I am chatting with the founder of Rainbow Hearts Foundation and she is sharing her amazing story when it comes to her fertility journey with her husband by her side. Something that more and more people are learning about today. We continue this conversation tomorrow on The Groove at 4 p.m. Groove Cafe.